0: Come, Holy Spirit, and enkindle in the hearts of your faithful the fire of your love. Amen. Good morning, Trinity Church. So this morning, we will complete our three-week reflection on the Apostle Paul's hymn to love, our chosen invitation into life in the world to come. To begin our program year, we considered the possibility of love, the leap of faith declaring love as the source and substance of all creation. And in verses one through three, we traced Paul's insistence on love's necessity, taking heart in in Ted Lasso's loving generosity no matter the opposition he faced. Last Sunday, we considered the power of love the inspiration of love set in action, love as deed. And by verses four through eight, we defined love as setting the needs of others before our own. Witnessing love's strength in the ministry of Sister Constance and the martyrs of Memphis who gave their lives during the 1878 yellow fever epidemic. This week we consider the promise of love, the promise of love, the ultimate concern toward which all righteous love points. And we focus on the chapter's concluding third, overlapping last week's coda, and turning to another Paul, 20th century theologian Paul Tillich, for our summation of this treasured verse. According to Tillich, our ideas about God seek to satisfy two basic needs. one the statement of the Christian message's truth and two, an interpretation of that truth for every new generation. Serious considerations of God move between these two poles, the eternal truth of their foundation and and temporal contexts into which that eternal truth is spoken limited as theologies necessarily are, most tend to prioritize one or the other, either sacrificing elements of the truth or or failing to speak effectively into a particular situation. Tillich names the Christian message's truth as our ultimate concern. And he defines that concern as, as the abstract translation of the great commandment, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love, you shall love, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Realizing love as our ultimate concern necessarily renders as preliminary all concerns of our temporal situation, our situation, as Tillich uses that term, as the sociological, scientific, artistic, economic, political, and ethical condition into and through which Theology expresses its interpretation of existence. For Tillich and for us, preliminary concerns are not unimportant. They simply must not be mistaken for the ultimate concern. Returning to 1 Corinthians 13, Paul distinguishes ultimate and preliminary concerns, writing, Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease as for knowledge it will come to an end beginning with our, our overlap from last sunday love never ends that crisp summary of all that has come before paul identifies love as our ultimate concern to work the short syllogism supporting that claim we can appeal to 1 john 4:16 if god is love and if god is our ultimate concern then our ultimate concern is love. See how that works? And in the section that follows, Paul catalogs the credentialed wisdoms that the Corinthians most admired, that bustling exchange of ideas about their world and its condition. And pointing to the inevitable ending of each contrasts them with love's singular endurance. Like the Corinthians, the felt urgency and importance we assign our own situation continues to keep us from love. until it proposes three primary relationships between our ultimate and preliminary concerns. In the first, we set our ultimate concern alongside other interests and tacitly undermine its ultimacy by what he calls mutual indifference. In this scenario, we concern ourselves with God, but only avocationally, as a hobby that we endeavor along with with needlepoint, long care, and and assembling those little boats inside of bottles. Adherence of this mode might turn toward a hazy sense of the divine in moments of convenience or urgency, perhaps self-identifying as spiritual but not religious. Others, in mutual indifference, will embody the inverse, that is, acting religious but not spiritual, marked as present for worship on Easter and Christmas, but, but attending for cultural or other unserious reasons. Lest we overestimate ourselves, likely all of us have drifted into this haze during one time or another. In the second relationship, we actively elevate a primary concern to ultimacy. We actively elevate a primary, preliminary concern to ultimacy. Within theological circles, Tillich points to the rise of American fundamentalism as an example of this mode, writing, fundamentalism elevates something finite and transitory, of one instance, say, biblical inerrancy, to infinite and eternal validity. In this respect, fundamentalism has demonic traits, Tillich argues with strong words. For it destroys the humble honesty of the search for truth, splits the conscience of its thoughtful adherents, and makes them fanatical, because such a doctrine forces them to suppress core elements of the truth which they recognize as valid. we within the contemporary self-styled progressive church too often also indulge this idolatry, collectively and individually. We choose to prioritize the prophecies and tongues of one season to the exclusion or the subordination of love that gives rise to every season. At our worst, we bless a single perspective of our temporal situation as inviolate. And as prophets of a partisan gospel, we create, we mobilize, and we commission zealots to go into the world as civic antagonists rather than as reconcilers. Instead of offering one another love, we grant ourselves permission to judge, to scorn, and dismiss anyone who dare disagree with us and the collective knowledge. Indeed, thinking like children, speaking like children, acting like children, our fanatical pride blinds us from our intimate kinship with the very partisans we claim to oppose, those inerrancy-believing fundamentalist Christians on our right. Fortunately, the third relationship between ultimate and preliminary concerns offers a faithful, hopeful path, one that Paul anticipates. 1 Corinthians 13 concludes. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. See, Paul declares that the promise of love is completion. The promise of love is completion. Or in the language we often pray, fulfillment. See, even the most righteous preliminary concerns remain nothing more but reflections of a cloudy mirror, no more ultimately satisfying than that image of of Trinity Church's profile in the Hancock building, akin to the difference in kind between that reflection and the real thing. When we greet Christ face-to-face knowing and known fully, we no longer need set God's hopes before our own or act in the spirit of God's love by setting others' needs before ourselves. Instead, we become one in God's love. Our hopes are God's hopes. Our love is God's love. No longer is there any i or, or otherness but completed and completely in God. There is only love. Paul's triad of faith, hope, and love matters, not only to to set up love as primary, but as Tillich proposes for this third relationship to provide purpose for our preliminary concerns as, as bearers, as vehicles of the ultimate concern without claiming ultimacy for themselves. God as love, as ultimate concern is the sole inspiration of our faith and the single hope for which we aim. Therefore, we must always walk with the strength to recognize that the promise of love is not and has never been a temporal situational outcome. Recall, Sister Constance died in service of the sick. Jesus' earthly ministry ended in crucifixion not a love animated empire. As we endeavor love in the life of the world to come, we may labor to vote fascists out of office. We may share hard truths with one another. We may advocate care for the creation we too easily take for granted. But as the church, we never do so as ends in and of themselves. This keeps us as a faith community, not a political organization. For if we are faithful, we will always choose love before judgment, shared understanding before any political cause. Our integrity is theologically serious. Our very faithfulness as the body of Christ depends upon our keeping in right order our ultimate and preliminary concerns. Prophecies, they will come to an end. Tongues, they will cease. Knowledge, it will come to an end. God alone, God alone is our promise. And our sole vocation is to bear love for the world. Generous, patient, kind, unrelentingly, indefatigably bearing God's love until the complete comes. This is our humble work. Praying in the name of the God who is love. Amen.